Enoch is a mystery. We don't know a lot about him. He appears in the seventh generation from Adam. We know that Enoch was a prophet of God, as pointed out by Jude, and that he walked with God for 300 years. He was so close to God, in fact, that he was spared the experience of death. He was the first person to be raptured. God literally took him from this earth. Only three people have experienced this rapture, Enoch, Elijah, and Jesus. Each of these three had an unusually close walk with God. In the generations after Adam, we see that people were all basically the same. They sinned and fell short of what God expected. Enoch just seemed to pass all the tests. In Psalm 66, it says that God tests us. He wants to see if we will believe him and do what he says. Enoch believed God and did whatever God said every single time. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to summer school. When I was 16 years old, uh, or uh, maybe a few days after I became 16 years old, I got my driver's license. And I want you to know that when I did my test, I only got one mistake. Thank you. Thank you. Someone asked if I'm telling the truth. Wow. So moving right along. For anybody here who drives, anybody who has ever uh, gotten, a, gotten a license, you know that there are two tests you have to take. You've got to, first of all, take the uh, theory, which is the manual full of rules, and you've got to know what's in that book. And then the other test you've got to take is the practical test, and you have to actually demonstrate to a driving instructor that you actually know what you're doing. And I'm going to tell you that I passed the first time, and I am telling the truth. I did get on the first verse run. I'm not bragging, but there it is. What can I say? I was excited about this. I was so excited about it that I asked my parents if I could uh, go for a drive in my dad's 98 Oldsmobile. And does anybody remember the Oldsmobiles in like the 1970s? They were boats, they yachts, massive, massive boats. And uh, I, I maneuvered that thing all the way over to my grandmother's house. I figured, what better thing to do, what better way to celebrate my brand new driver's license than going directly to my grandma's house and taking her for a ride. So I got to my grandma's place and I said, Grandma, good to see you. She said, oh, nice to see you. I didn't know you were coming. How did you get here? I said, I drove. You drove? Yes, I just passed my test. In fact, I just got it this morning. Would you like to go for a drive? Her face went white. And she said, well, wouldn't you rather just stay here and have some borscht? <laughs> like, like every grandma's got borscht on hand. And I said, no, I want to take you for a drive. Let's go, let's go and get something to eat. So long story short, she did, I did finally persuade her to come and get in the car. And the whole time we're driving along, she's gripping the handle of the door. Her knuckles were white. And uh, she said, are you sure you know what you're doing? And I said, yes, yes. I, in fact, I said, relax, Grandma. After all, I passed the test. That did not reassure her. However, as, as the ride went along, I did indeed demonstrate to her that I knew what I was doing. She relaxed, and, uh, 
and she, she stopped worrying and her knuckles weren't white anymore. Tests and examinations are absolutely critical. And we need to take tests, we need to take examinations in order to discern whether or not we've been able to significantly uh, grasp what it is that we need to learn or understand. And if you get too many mistakes, then we know that we failed the test. Now, the wonderful thing about Christianity is that you're either getting 100% or you're failing. There's no in-between. You don't sort of get 99% or 88%. You're, you're, you're passing or you're failing. And what God wants us to understand is that before we can advance and go on to the next level in our spiritual growth and development, there's things that we have to master. And the way that God helps us learn these things that we have to master is by testing us. And every time you pass a test, then you advance to the next level. Now, we, uh, we, we know that summer is officially here because all the tests and exams are over and all the graduations are done. Summer is, is officially here because exams are over. However, there's some people that didn't do well and they failed their tests, they failed their examinations, and unfortunately, they need to go to summer school. And that's what you do. You go to summer school to redo the course until you get it right, because in order for you to get that degree or that diploma, there's things that you absolutely have to know before you advance to the next level. Well, folks, that's what summer school here at Cross Church is all about. Summer, Cross Church goes to summer, the summer school of faith, because here's what I know about everybody here. We all fail the tests. Uh, and, and have failed the tests that God has given us. Some of us have passed the tests and we've advanced and we've matured in our growth, but for some of us, we have failed. We've made mistakes. There's things we haven't done right. And so we do know that there's still lots of room for growth and improvement. But I'll tell you this, before you can advance to the next level in your life, you're going to have to pass the test that God is allowing in your life right now. And you're maybe here didn't know that God tests us. Did you know that Jesus, when he taught us the Lord's Prayer, the very last petition is this. Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That word temptation in the Greek is the word test. So really what we're saying is, God, when you lead me into the test, help me not to give in to temptation. In other words, God, when you're leading me into the test, help me to do your will and not my will. Because really, at the end of the day, that's what it always comes down to. Will I do God's will or will I do my will? Faith, if you want to know what it is, it's, it's all about doing God's will. So through the course of the summer, we're going to be going through Hebrews chapter 11, and the writer of Hebrews lists a number of godly men and women who are examples for us of faith, of great faith. These are men and women who, who keep on passing the test and go on to do great things for God. Now, every one of us has got a task to do, and I'll be talking more about that in just a few moments. But let me just remind everybody this morning that you and I need to learn what it means to submit to God. If you are a Christian, you need to learn what it means to submit to God and to do His will because we want to demonstrate to God that we believe him and we are therefore willing to do what he says. Now, I know that some of us here today, we've, been, we've got a prayer list of things that we want God to do in our lives, areas that we want God to, to, 
to, to minister to us. We, there's things that we want God to change. Some of you maybe have been praying that God will give you a new job or that God will give you a spouse, a husband, a wife. Uh, maybe you need help with finances. Uh, you need to get your marriage in order, your family in order, whatever. The way that you are going to see transformation in your life is by passing the test that God brings into your life. You see, while you've been praying and asking God for help, he's been trying to help you. You just didn't know it. That's my job, is to help you see. And the way that God's been trying to help you is by testing you. And folks, look at every time you pass that test in your life, that's when transformation happens in your life. This is why... The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, the first few verses, he says, be transformed, but be changed. Be ready. Make yourself prepared for whatever it is that God wants to do in your life. Now, for so many of us, we have been failing those tests, and so therefore, we become stagnant. You just wonder, you know, this is getting boring. Christianity doesn't seem to work. I've been praying, and God's not answering my prayers. But meanwhile, God's been answering your prayers. You just didn't know it. He's been allowing you to go through these seasons of testing. And folks, when you pass the test, that's when you graduate. That's when you get your certificate, your diploma. That's when you go on to the next level. And that's when you begin to see God work in even greater ways and even more spectacular ways. That's when you, when you can uh, demonstrate to everybody, you've got a great marriage, you've got a great family, your kids love you, they're serving God, and they're going to church every Sunday. And, and you find that spouse that you've been praying for, and you get that new job that you've been praying for. But before God answers these prayers and gives you what it is that you're looking for, there's certain tests that you need to pass. Now, that's a hard thing for us to, to maybe get our head around. But the fact is, is until you pass those tests, you're not going to see those answers to prayer. You're not going to be able to advance in the way that you want to. God answers your prayers by testing you. And that's why Jesus tells us to pray every day Father, lead me not into temptation. In other words, Father, lead me through the time of testing. Help me to pass the test. So when I pray every day, I always pray, God, help me to pass every test today for your glory and honor. Because I don't want to stay where I am. I want to grow. I want to mature. I want my prayers to be answered. God, I want you to use me for your glory and honor. Now, we're going to be looking today at a man by the name of Enoch. This is a Polaroid taken by his wife. an artist's rendition, and uh, Enoch is a mystery. For I mean, some of you sitting here today have heard of Noah and Adam. I never heard of Enoch. Well, Enoch is a pretty amazing man, and in fact, as I'm studying him, I find myself really relating to him, um, and, and you'll see why in just a few moments. But this man, is we don't know a lot about him, but here's what we do know. It says in Hebrews 11.5, and remember, we're looking at Hebrews 11. If you haven't read Hebrews 11 yet, I'm going to ask you to please do that. Uh, Not right now, after the service. And here's what it says. It was by faith. Did you notice that? Remember, we're in the school, summer school of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. And it says, quote, he disappeared because God took him. This, in case you don't know, is a direct quotation right from Genesis. For before he was taken up, that is, before he was taken to heaven... 
He was known as a person who pleased God. Now remember what we said last week, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So Enoch is a man who had great faith and therefore was able to please God. So here's what we know about about Enoch. Enoch was the seventh generation from Adam, so he's one of the very first people mentioned in scriptures. And in fact, he is is one of Jesus' great, 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 great grandfathers. Maybe you didn't know that. You maybe didn't even think that Jesus had a grandfather. Well, Enoch was his great, great, great grandfather. And he's actually mentioned in Luke chapter 3, which you can check out later. And we discover that he is the father of the oldest man who ever lived. Does anybody know the name of the oldest man who ever lived? His name was Methuselah. That's right. And not only is he the uh, father of Methuselah, but he, watch this. He is the great-grandfather of Noah. Does everybody remember who Noah is? Noah and the ark. Very good. Noah and the ark. And Noah, and you're going to see the significance of that in just a moment. But Jude tells us, the book of Jude, it's a, it's a one-chapter one book right at the end of the New Testament, just before the book of Revelation. Jude gives us some insight into who Enoch is. So I'm going to read it to you. It's Jude uh, verses 14 to 16. And again, it's only one chapter. And here's what it says. It says, Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen. The Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things that they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and complainers, living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. Enoch was a prophet in his day, and you may or may not know this, but uh, Enoch was ministering, prophesying, preaching in a generation of people who hated God. In fact, it was a very evil generation. It's so evil that by the time we get to Noah, God has to tell Noah, okay, look, I can't take it anymore. Um, I gotta send a flood. I gotta, I gotta cleanse the earth of the filth. And so Noah, I need you to build an ark. We also discover that Noah was a preacher. Now, where did where did Noah learn how to be a preacher? How is it that Noah has got this strong relationship with God? Well, we gotta go back and look at his great grandpa. His great grandpa was Enoch. Enoch was a preacher, preaching the gospel and telling people about God who loves them. And some of you may or may not know the whole story, but I'm going to tell you about it in just a few moments. But Enoch did his work on this earth, and the Bible says that suddenly, uh, when he was 365 years of age, God raptured him, took him up into heaven. He disappeared because God took him. And uh, that's, that's what we see here. There's, there he is there. He's ascending into heaven. Now, some of you may remember, oh, yeah, he, somebody else ascended into heaven. Who else? Oh, yeah, Jesus. Jesus, you remember, ascended into heaven after he had met with his disciples, after he rose from the dead. 
And there's a third person who was taken into heaven. His name was Elijah. So we've got the prophet Enoch. We've got the prophet Elijah and Jesus. The only three that we ever see written in Scripture who actually were raptured and taken into heaven. Each of these three had an extraordinary walk with God. Each of these three uh, knew what it was to hear God's voice. They knew how to pray. They knew how to hear from God. Now, here's what you need to understand. In the generations immediately after Adam, the world was incredibly evil. In fact, by the time we get to Genesis chapter 4, remember Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are eating the fruit and they, their sin enters in. By the time we get to the next chapter, we find that Adam and Eve's boys hate each other. At least one hates the other. We talked about him last week, Abel. And Cain killed his brother, Abel. Murder by chapter 4. And we see, we see the unfolding of evil in the world. And then there's Enoch, seven generations in. And this Enoch is not like anybody else. He loves God. He honors God. He fears God. He wants to please God. Look at this, folks. He, look at This is really cool. He wants to do what Adam and Eve used to do. What did Adam and Eve used to do? They walked with God. Enoch wanted that. There was something so appealing. The idea of being able to walk with God, to know God, to say that God is my friend. And so we see Enoch really leaning in and hungering and thirsting for more of God. He has this incredible relationship with God. So amazing that, in fact, God raptures him and takes him to heaven. Now, here's what we need to see when we look at Enoch's life. Enoch was tested in the same ways that you and I are tested. That may be hard for you to believe, but Enoch went through the same tests. The difference between Enoch and, and the rest of us is that Enoch passed every test. So the very first test we see is that, well, he had a daily walk with God where Adam and Eve were hiding from God, and that is, by the way, our tendency. Just stop and think about that for a moment. Some of us here today, we haven't, we haven't spent time praying or reading our Bible for maybe for days, maybe even weeks, and maybe some of you, it's been months since you've actually prayed and read your Bible and let God speak to you. That's a human tendency. Our tendency is to do what Adam and Eve did. Remember it says in Genesis chapter 3, they heard God walking in the garden and they went and hid. That's our tendency. And we've been doing that ever since. When's the last time you prayed and read your Bible and allowed God to speak to you? Enoch was so hungry and so thirsty for God, he couldn't get enough of it. The more he could be with God, the happier he was. So that was the first test that he passed. He had a close walk with God. By the way, that's why we teach habit number one here. You need to have a daily walk with God. If you're going to be a Christian and a follower of Christ, you have to have a daily walk with God. There's another test that he passed. Remember, the world that Enoch lived in was an evil world, a world that hated God, a world that spoke badly of God. And it says there in, in Jude chapter, uh, well, chapter 1, verse 15, he says that these sinners have insult. They speak, they speak ins uh, insults about God. 
I was just saying this morning that, you know, when I started the ministry, you never heard anybody speak badly about God. Nobody was saying God doesn't exist except for maybe Nietzsche, who was, you know, a hundred years or dozens and dozens of years before, you know, I came on the scene. And now everybody is speaking ill of God. Everybody's speaking ill of Christ. Marilyn Welling told me that she heard someone say, uh, she just read an article about someone who said, if Jesus Christ returns, kill him. Someone, she actually said, heard somebody say that or, or read that somewhere. This is the kind of world we're living in now. When I started the ministry and I read that passage of scripture, I think, I don't, I don't really, I never hear anybody insulting uh, God or, or, or ungodly sinners speaking against God. That's something that never happens. Today, happens all the time. And there's all kinds of books that say God is not good and God is not great and so on and so forth. You know what I'm talking about. But this is the day and age that we live in. And it's like it was in the days of Noah or the days of Enoch. Enoch refused to be influenced by his culture, by his world. And I'm going to tell you, folks, it was more evil then than it is today. But our world is quickly catching up. How many know what I'm saying today? Our world is in bad shape. We live in a world that has rejected God, rejected Christ, and simply does not want to submit to God. Well, Enoch passed the test. And not only did he pass the test of not being, being tainted by the evil world he lived in, he did the work that God called him to do. And his work was to be a preacher. His job was to tell everybody that the judgment of God was coming. And even more than that, there's a fourth thing that he had to do, and that is he needed to influence the next generation. Remember, Immediately after Adam and Eve, we see sin entering in, and it's not a pretty picture, but somehow God reaches Enoch's heart. Enoch responds to God, and then watch this. Enoch passes on his passion for God to his son and to his grandson, and then eventually to his great-grandson Noah. And he's successful at it because we see that Noah fears God. And in that hour, watch this, in that hour when God said, okay, this is it. This world has got to be cleansed of its evil. There's one man, only one man, who is actually listening to God and actually speaking to God. His name is Noah. How is it that Noah is in a relationship with God? I'll tell you, it's because of a faithful great-grandfather. I want the Spirit of God to speak to you today, because if you're a grandfather or a great-grandfather or a mother, your job as a mother is to pass on your faith to the next generation. And that's exactly what we see happening with Enoch. He passes his faith on to Noah, so that in the hour that God says it's time now to cleanse the earth of the filth, of the evil, evil folks that I can't even talk to you about uh, this morning, because it's so evil, there's somebody who's hearing from God and somebody who's willing to believe God and do what he says. Remember, what did we say faith is? Faith is believing God and doing what he says. That's what happens with Noah. Noah believes God. God says, I'm going to destroy the earth, build a ship. And so what does Noah do? He builds a ship. It's because of the influence of Enoch. Now stop and think for a moment. What would have happened 
if Noah wasn't hearing from God? What would have happened if Noah was not a man of God, wasn't walking with God and listening to God on a daily basis? Well, folks, simple fact of the matter is you and I wouldn't be here. Think about that. We're here because of the faithfulness of a great-grandfather who wanted to make sure his kids got the faith. Enoch passed all kinds of tests, but the greatest test of all was that he had a special relationship with God. He walked with God every single day. Now, I want you to see the scripture verse here in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's handiwork. In the, I like what it says in the New Living Translation. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Look at that person beside you. Does that look like a masterpiece sitting beside you? God declares that that person sitting beside you is, in fact, a masterpiece. There's my masterpiece sitting right over there. Her name is Gloria. And guess what? I am her masterpiece. <laughs> More importantly, I am God's masterpiece. And look what it says here. You, as God's masterpiece, you were created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Did you know that before you were born, God knew you were going to be born and God had a special work for you to do? And it's your job and my job to show up for duty, to do exactly what God wants us to do. Now, in case you're here today thinking, oh, well, you know, this whole, this whole Noah thing, that was like, I mean, God didn't know what to do. I mean, he was just like, oh, the people are so evil. What will I do? Oh, I know. I'll send a, I'll send a flood. God knew what was going to happen. God knows the future from the past. I mean, the Bible clearly points out that Jesus, before, before any of us came along, the Bible says that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the earth. In other words, God had the plan that Jesus Christ was going to die for us. Jesus is, God is never taken off guard. God always knows what's going to happen. And I want you to know that the flood was not an accident. And it wasn't sort of like, oh God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know I'll send a flood. God appointed Enoch and had a job for Enoch to do. And that was to influence his offspring. And folks, he really did a good job influencing his offspring. So much so that his offspring was, in fact, Jesus Christ himself. Think about that. Now, every one of us here today, if you are a Christian, if you have surrendered your life to Christ, if you are a Christ follower, you have a special work to do. And your responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ is to sign up for duty and say, yes, master, I'm ready to do whatever it is that you want me to do. Enoch's job was to influence that next generation and so that the world would be prepared for the great flood and the great cleansing that would happen. He said, God, I'm willing to do what you need me to do. Now, how is it that, that Enoch was able to pass the test? I'll tell you. He had a strong relationship with God. His children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, they all knew that Grandpa Enoch has this amazing relationship with God. Grandpa Enoch walks with God like nobody else does. He hears from God. And as far as they were concerned, they wanted to be just like him. 
Let the Spirit of God speak to you right now because I know that some of you here today, you're just thinking, I don't know if this Christianity thing really works. You know, I pray and nothing seems to happen. I ask God for certain things and God doesn't seem to come through. You know, I, mean, I heard that when you became a Christian that, that everything turns out great, everything turns out rosy, and things aren't turning out too rosy for me right now. In fact, I'm struggling in my marriage, I'm struggling in my family life, I'm struggling in my finances, my career. Everything is a wreck, and I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to be a Christian. Here, folks, listen. Stop and ask yourself the question, how is your walk with God? Are you hearing from him every day? Because he wants to speak to you every day. He wants to lead you and guide you. And if you're not hearing from him, if he's not speaking to you, if you're not listening to him, then how can he direct you? How can he, he, how can he show you the way to go and how to fix the things that aren't right in your life? Some of us, we think God is going to wave his magic wand over us and everything's going to be made right. That's not how it works. God works in us. He transforms us. He changes us. He prepares us for whatever it is that we need to do in our life. But folks, it'll only happen if you're hearing from God every day, if you're walking with God every day. And that's exactly what Enoch's doing. So the, the major test that Enoch passed was fellowship with God on a daily basis. And as long as he was fellowshipping with God on a daily basis, guess what happened? Everything aligns. Does anybody know what happens when your car is out of alignment? You get a wobble. Next thing you know, your tires are worn out. And I mean, I had, I had an old, old car. I, I, um, uh, it was an old beater. I was on my way to the mission field. I didn't want to buy a brand new car. So my brother-in-law says, hey, my brother's got an old Concord. Anybody remember Concords? AMC? Nobody? That's how old I am. Well, it was rusting out on the fenders. You'd drive along and chunks of rust would be flying out. And it's like, oh, what was that? And then you got used to it. It's like, oh, it's nothing. And, um, and that car, we can never get that, those front wheels aligned. I, I got that car for a buck, but I spent a lot of money on tires. I mean, I was changing those tires probably every few months. Just cheap uh, Canadian tire tires. That's not a slam on Canadian tire. Well, maybe it is. <laughs> but anyway, they're cheap. And I was able to drive that, that car. And so when I went to the mission field, I was on my way to Greece, I gave the car to Gloria. So I don't know what she did with that. I don't think it's running anymore. But I'll tell you, folks, if, you're, if your life is not in, uh, in alignment, then things just don't work right. You've got to wobble in your life. Your tires are wearing out. The joints start wearing out. Everything starts falling apart on you. But when your life is aligned with God, when you are walking with him every day, and God is directing you and teaching you and, making, and helping you make corrections, the next thing you know, folks, things start working for you. Things start lining up. Things start going your way. And you think to yourself, wow, this is so amazing. My life is really working. And it's because your life is aligned with God. And this is what we see in Enoch's life. He was doing the thing that God created him to do. In fact, he walked so closely with God, he was one of the few that didn't have to experience or go through death. And I'm telling you folks, today, in the year 2017, we are definitely living in the last days. 
You know, when I started the ministry in 1983, it was a different world. People were still respectful of pastors. I mean, when people say, you know, who are you? I never say, I'm Pastor Alan Duncalf. I just say Alan Duncalf. Because as you know, a lot of pastors and priests, we don't have a good reputation. Bad things have happened at the hands of priests and pastors. And not only that, folks, we're living in a day and age where people are actually anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-church. And quite frankly, when I tell people I'm a minister, it's like, <laughs> oh, you're a minister, are you? And then they become very condescending and, and even mocking because they can't believe that anybody would be a pastor or a minister. We live in dark days. People don't trust God. They don't believe in God anymore. Well, guess what, folks? It shouldn't surprise us because Jesus himself said, when his disciples asked him, how will we know that the end is here? How will we know that the end is coming? Jesus said, here's what you need to look for. He says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In Noah's day, in Enoch's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time that Noah entered his boat. Did you hear that? Judgment is imminent. Noah is actually getting onto his boat, Jesus says, and the people are just like, ah, who cares? And Noah, you're such a loser. What a lunatic. He's built a boat. He's <laughs> like, he just crazy. He can be with us having a good time. Noah's getting on the boat. People are totally oblivious. No clue what's about to happen. You say, well, it's not very nice of Noah not to tell them. Oh, yeah, the Bible says Noah was a preacher just like his great-grandpa. Noah was preaching the gospel and trying to convince people to surrender their lives to Christ, to turn their backs on evil, but they weren't listening. They're going to party. And it says in verse 39 of Matthew 24, People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Now I see here today grandpas and grandmas, and maybe a few great grandpas and grandmas, and I see some parents and moms and dads, and some people here that work with children. You and I have a responsibility to pass our faith on to that next generation. I'm so thrilled that I had great, I had grandparents that loved God, that served God. And on Gloria's side, it was her great grandpa and grandma that came to Christ. And her grandparents on both sides were Christians. And, and her parents were Christians. And aunts and uncles. The thing that we see about the older generation is that they were diligent in praying for that next generation and passing their faith on to that next generation. And their, their prayers, God, we don't want to lose anybody. That's how my grandpa and grandma prayed. Grandpa and grandma Duncalf, my dad's parents, they didn't want to lose anybody. We're praying for every one of us by name. Folks, our responsibility as Christians is to pass that faith on and to do the work that God's called us to do. But you and I can't do this unless we have a daily walk with God. So if you haven't done your devotions for a while, I'm not sitting here in judgment or condemnation. I understand what that's like. I understand what it's like to, to have dry spells. 
I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm here to encourage you this morning to say that you need to get back on track. Before this day is out, can I implore you? Can I beg you? Can I plead with you? Go to your bedroom, get alone with God, and let him speak to you again. And if your heart is hard, if your heart is far from God, just tell the Lord you're sorry for your sin and ask him to touch you afresh, to soften your hard heart and let his love just penetrate so that you can be aligned with the Father and you can do whatever it is that God wants you to do. Thank God for Enoch's life. Enoch taught his grandson Noah how to pray and how to have a relationship with God so that when we get to Genesis chapter 6, we find that Noah is having a quiet time with God. It says there in Genesis chapter 6, so God said to Noah, now most of us, when we read that, we just sort of, you know, sort of glance at it and sort of skip over it and don't stop to really think about the significance of that. But listen to this again. So God said to Noah, when's the last time God said anything to you? God is speaking to Noah, and he says to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. What would happen if Noah had not been in the habit of praying and not in the habit of hearing God? We'd be in big trouble today, folks. Noah, thank God, was not the weak link. He was the strong link that made it possible for us to survive the destruction that came on the earth. But it's not an accident that Noah knew how to hear from God. You see, God gave Noah a great-grandpa that knew how to pray, that knew how to walk with God. And so we come full circle, and it says in Hebrews 11:5, it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And then the next verse, listen to this. And it is impossible to please God without faith. What is faith? Believe God and do what he says. Would you say that with me? Believe God and do what he says. That's what faith is. If God says it, believe it and do it. And here's the promise. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that God exists. And watch this and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That's such a fantastic verse. Stop and think for a moment. What is it, ready? What is it that you've been praying for? You've been maybe fasting and praying. You've been looking for something. You've been asking God, God, you need to answer my prayer. I'm in trouble. I need your help. My marriage is in trouble. God, my family's in trouble. My kids are in trouble. My, I, I need a job. I need a spouse. I need a husband. I need a wife. I need a career. I need to get my finances in order. I need a, a, a health miracle. The Bible says that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. 
This shouldn't surprise us because this is exactly what Jesus says in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God. Have a daily walk with God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what happens? All these things will be added onto you. All the things that you've been praying for, all the things that you need, all the things that you, that you desire and long for, God's going to take care of that. But you've got to be like Enoch, a man of faith who pleased God, a man who was willing to sincerely seek God with all his heart. This morning, I want you to know that God wants to do a miracle in your life. He wants to answer your prayers. But you need to sincerely seek him with all your heart. You need to seek first God. Would you stand with me, please? Father, thank you that you've shown us how to live in this life, in this world. God, we're so distracted by so many things. All of us here today, including me, there's so many times we're distracted by the cares, the concerns, the disappointments, the struggles, the pressures and stresses of life that sometimes we forget that the simple solution is to sincerely seek you with all our heart. For some of us, it's been a long time since we prayed, a long time since we've read the word of God and allowed you to speak to us through your spirit. God, we want to see miracles take place in our life, and we want to see answers to prayer. But Jesus tells us clearly that we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the things that we need will be added unto us, will be given to us. So, Father, I pray that this will be a turning point for many people today. That this would be the beginning of miracles in the lives of the people of Cross Church. We surrender our lives to you now, thanking you for your love, thanking you for your help, thanking you for your grace and your mercy. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Tell the person beside you, go and do your devotions today. Thank <laughs> you.